Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. The question remains, who will be that individual? Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Goodyear Hotline were also brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Fellas, it all comes back down to Week 17, that crazy game between the Washington football team and Philly and the swap for Hertz and Sudfeld and whether Doug Peterson, after being fired, could move to a different shade of green. Let's get into each of those things one at a time. First things first, right to the top of the organization. Yesterday, upon the firing of Doug Peterson, team owner Jeffrey Lurie was asked this. Jeffrey, did Week 17 in the Washington game factor into this at all? And and did you have any input on how the quarterback situation was handled? How do you think it was handled? No, no, it had not, not, nothing to do with it whatsoever. I... I heard that Doug wanted to give Nate some time. He was our backup in the Super Bowl because we had so much confidence in Nate. Uh, we talked about we're going we're gonna to advance far here, we hope, and who's going to be there if Nick gets uh, you know, injured? And we had a lot of confidence in Nate. Gee, a lot of confidence in a guy who's going to pass in like two years? That's why I just laughed. But, but even take it one step further, man, Jeff Lurie should just be – the owner of the team, sit in a box, entertain his friends and his business partners from production, television, movie industry, and call it a day and leave football decisions to football people. Because of the fact that you sitting there and say you got a lot of confidence and you 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 making me think that you are evaluating the quarterback position. And I and and you know, if if week seventeen didn't play a part in firing Doug Peterson, then what did? Because in his statement, he says two or three different things that I noticed as a little puzzling. And, you know, you, you want to do all these great things for Doug Peterson, but yet and still, you fire him. You love him. He's part of the family, but you fire him. I just, I mean, I guess both can be true, but... You know, I, I don't think it was the right move, but that's just me personally. I've always felt like a guy that won a Super Bowl three years ago deserves more time to try to figure it out in making the playoffs after winning the Super Bowl a couple times and you still fire him. Who are you going to get that's going to get you back to where you were before if it's not Doug Peterson? Key, I feel like – the front office and ownership is very much like 2020. They're disoriented. It feels all over the place. Um, and I, I also got confused because you get this gist out of the way the Jalen Hurts situation went down in that last game that a lot of players on the team didn't like the way Doug Peterson was leading this unit, was leading this organization. But then when Doug Peterson gets fired the other day, you get a whole bunch of players that are posting things on social media saying, love you, Coach P. Really enjoy spending my time with you, Coach P. And I'm like, is this, is this being politically correct? Because you're trying to position yourself. Who knows if you ever get coached by Doug Peterson again? Will he get the Jets job? Could that lead to more money down the line? Or was this a true feeling of how you actually felt towards Doug Peterson when we're being told from other people in the organization it's a completely different scenario? It, it, it's disorienting. It's confusing to me. Well, it it's you're protecting players protect themselves. They have to. Um, that's just the way that's the way they think. 
Me personally, I think that, you know, there's phonies in every single locker room. And for Doug Peterson and that coaching staff, they know who those guys are because they got locker room lawyers that's going to (laughs) tell. You know, so they know the phony guys and they know the real guys. And so when you look at it, Doug Peterson has an opportunity potentially to get back into coaching and get back on his feet. Maybe there's the jet job. As I say, head down, I mean up 95 turnpike to Florent Park. And maybe there's an opportunity to coach the New York Jets. Or maybe there's an opportunity, if he so desires, if Eric Bieniemy leaves Kansas City to go become a head coach, maybe he goes back to Kansas City to become the offensive coordinator for Andy Reid. I mean, so he'll be, he'll have a soft landing this year if he so desires to get back into coaching. I guess the question is, too, for whoever the next head coach of the Eagles is going to be, how much autonomy do you realistically have in that job? If Doug Peterson, who won the Super Bowl, kind of ultimately left because he didn't feel like he was able to make the decisions he wanted to make, if he kind of felt like he was a puppet to a degree, if that's Howie Roseman who made the decision to pay a quarterback $100-plus million. 136 to get it right. To be exact. Hmm. I mean, how much control do you actually have to making decisions as a head coach that, that's a major question you have to ask yourself if you're a candidate. Now, I know the money will be good and somebody will accept the job, but, man, that's a deterring factor that probably would lure me away from that job. If I'm Eric Bieniemy, if it's between the Eagles or Kansas City, I'm like, look, I'm going to stay put. I'm going to do the same thing that other you know, great OCs have done. I'm going to stay put right here, win some more championships, and allow my value to continue to skyrocket than go to a mess like that right well, now. Well, there's only 32 jobs, as you mentioned, Jay. And the last time that the Philadelphia Eagles – Philadelphia Eagles organization is not an organization that is going to turn the keys over to a, a head coach. They tried that with Chip Kelly, and obviously, Zubin, we saw how that went. No doubt about um, it. I don't see him turning the – the keys over to the organization to, you know, uh, uh, a guy like Eric Bieniemy or whoever that's out there in, in their first opportunity on the job. I just don't – I don't see them doing that. They tried that, ex- they tried that experiment once, and it didn't work. You're right. Chip Kelly didn't even last three full years, and here we are three years after Doug Peterson wins the Super Bowl, and he is out. Doug Peterson worked with Joe Douglas in Philadelphia. Joe Douglas is now the GM of the Jets. He's running the show there. He was all part of the drafting. In Philadelphia, Peterson's available. Joe Douglas's team needs a head coach. Put two and two together. Could it work? They do have a previous working relationship in Philly. Earlier this morning, ESPN NFL reporter Sal Palantonio joined us and sort of threw cold water on that. Here's another thing, a factor with Doug Peterson, with the New York metropolitan area. Again, we all know it very well. It's hot right now over the way the Eagles season ended. Now, I realize there are Giants fans and there are Jets fans, but man, oh man, there's a whole lot of Giants fans in New Jersey, more than Jets fans. And I don't know if Doug Peterson wants to come into that kind of red-hot environment where he has to answer questions about whether it was a tank or not that kept the Giants out of the playoffs and put the Washington football team in it. So North Jersey is where I'm assuming the training facility in the Jets are because, again, Jay Will, I'm not really from these parts of the <laughs> land, but yes. I kind of have some perspective. Um, you know, it it just depends on what Joe Douglas wants to do. Is he the right jo- is he the right man for the job? What else? Who else is out there? Right? Or, or is it Marvin Lewis? Is it 
Eric Bieniemy? Is it Brian Dable? Like, who do you want that you think can do some things? If you look at Brian Dable and, and Josh Allen, and you have a guy at quarterback in Sam Darnold, can Brian Dable turn Sam Darnold, which they have very, very similar skill sets in Josh Allen and Sam Darnold, can he take that and get what he's gotten out of Josh Allen out of Sam? Can he do that? Can we do something else with that number two pick overall? I I don't know, Key. I I, I just I, I wonder if, if you're Doug, do you really want this kind of heat on you like Sal said? Do you want to go right into the the, the oven, the fire's den and the, the lion's den right away after you've just gone through all this? Or do you wanna do you want a job in which maybe you just buy some time, you let things calm down? And then you go to a scenario where expectations aren't to turn around yesterday. But see, Jay, he's not a failed coach. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, Adam Gase was a failed coach in Miami. This isn't – Doug Peterson's not a failure. He's a, a, a coach that's gone to the playoffs a number of times who's actually won a Super Bowl. And I'm not talking about won a Super Bowl in, like, 1985. <laughs> like, he just won a Super Bowl three years ago. Three years ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Three years ago is not long. And they had an opportunity two years ago to possibly make another run at one. So it's kind of like, do you, do you make a strong push if you're New York Jets at Doug Peterson? A guy that brings something to the table, who's done it. And I know there's an ugly divorce to some degree. Philadelphia fans feel a certain way about him. It's probably split to some degree in Philadelphia. The, the, there's players that feel a certain way about him. But the guy obviously can coach. He won a damn Super Bowl, so he must know something. He ain't just standing on the sidelines and, and, and holding a clipboard, acting as though he's coaching. He's, he done something right. Fair yeah, one enough. team's trash is one team's treasure. You're, you could be right on that, Key. You're right about that. Tune in to Mike Greenberg's show this morning, Greeny, which immediately follows our show, Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, right here on ESPN Radio. This morning, Greeny talks to Alabama and Jets legend Joe Willie Namath, plus – he will guarantee to take your calls on where Nick Saban ranks among the all-time great coaches. From Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin right into Greeny this morning with Broadway Joe. Weekday mornings right here on ESPN Radio. Speaking of great coaches, Jay with his own rankings, with this guy probably somewhere in the mix. Let's get into this conversation. That was a comparison, as Reese Davis told us in the last hour, as others have mentioned, like Paul Feinbaum, that used to be a comparison that wasn't worth making because many people felt nobody could ever be in Coach Bryant's orbit. And now, apparently, Coach Bryant is trying to stay in Nick Saban's orbit. That's the way sports works. You know, Jay played for an all-timer in Mike Krzyzewski, so to get his perspective on this is going to be great. Jay, this morning, I know you thought long and hard about it, to rank, and I think this is really great because this is cross-sport pollination, Jay ranking his top five active coaches going in any sport right now. And Jay, of course, will let you unveil this from five to one. The GOAT's going at this very moment in the world of sports. Okay, I have to preface this by saying to all my my footy friends, my footy fans in, in, in football over in Europe, I did not count European soccer, American sports, active coaches. Number five, I got Greg Popovich, Key. Five NBA titles, just one of five coaches to do that. Um, one gold medal, one bronze medal with USA Basketball. And how could you... 
forget, I mean, some of the incredible teams, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Mana Ginobili, and he continues even at this rate with the Spurs, even though they failed to make the playoffs last year for the first time in forever uh, to be the voice of the NBA, one of the most relevant. I don't know what you think about number five, Keith, for that, but number five, I got Greg Popovich. No, it's it's a great – that's great. – Pop is right there. I don't okay. I don't have a problem with Pop at all at number five. And these are, these are current coaches, correct? Active, yes. Active, active coaches, coaches. American coaches. All right, number four, I got Coach K. I got my coach. Five national championships, the second most in college basketball behind John Wooden, uh, up there on the all-time wins list. Uh, look, I, I've been coached by the guy. You can say this is biased. I don't care. I don't care what you say. Yeah, you're like, biased. He's in this conversation, <laughs> man. It, it's, this guy coaches you well beyond basketball could ever take you, well beyond, and changes lives, has written so many leadership books, just the pinnacle in college basketball right now, the best coach there is in college basketball. I got him at number four. I got number three. This is where it starts getting tough. Mm-hmm. Key, we can probably disagree on this one. I got Nick Saban, number three. Seven national championships, uh, 14 years at Bama, eight years in the national championship game. You know, I don't even know how many times he's been in the college football playoffs, but you feel like the acronym CFP doesn't even make sense if it's not involving Nick Saban's name. I mean, look, they just won they just won a championship last night. And Zubin, we're talking about, hey, you know how we do it at ESPN. Let's start, let's start preparing you for the 2021-2022 season. Guess who's number one again? Nick Saban. Yep. Probably a chance for number eight. I, I think his trajectory is on the up and up. Uh, he'll probably have a chance to crack into the top two before it's all said and done. Um, number two. This is just me, Key. I think it's a little bit harder in professional sports than it is in college sports. You don't have the same kind of autonomy. You don't have the same kind of ability to push people. You have to maneuver a lot differently. I go with Bill Belichick, number two. Six Super Bowl rings. Now, a lot of people want to probably use the caveat of him battling against Tom Brady. He can't do it without Tom Brady. Okay, I hear you, but still... The ability to win at the level they won with Tom Brady. Six Super Bowl rings key in that league. You tell me how challenging that is to do. No, it's challenging. It, it, it certainly is challenging because everybody is stacking a deck every single year to make a run at you. So I got that number two. Now, number one, I know people are like, well, damn, if he had Coach K number four, Nick Saban number three, and then Bill Belichick number two, who's number one? It's hard for me at the end of the day to actually get over these numbers. Gina Ariama, UConn basketball. Now, I've been on text chains where people have said, whoa, you know, women's basketball isn't as strong and the quality of competition. I don't care what you say. <laughs> 11 national titles. 11. Just tied Pat Summit for all times wins in all the sports for number two. And it's going to surpass her. We'll end up being number one. 20. Final four is key. The numbers, now I, I did say I value professional sports over college sports, but at the end of the day, the numbers kind of speak for themselves. These, these numbers are outrageous. No, it's, it's crazy. You said it's, 11. You, what did you say? You said 20 final fours? 20 final fours. Yeah, no, 11 it's, national it's, chips and still going, by the no, way. No, it's, it's pretty crazy. What I would say, though, in terms of two and three, I would probably push them to one and two. And the reason is, is because especially – especially in football, in basketball, I could take a Jay Williams and I could win a championship with Jay Williams and four dudes. Like, you know, I could take 
and take Carmelo and move him from the Maryland, D.C. area to Syracuse and win a championship with Melo. Where in football, Dave is so strategic in all the little pieces and the moves and the different players and all the different things. You can't take one guy in college or in the pros in football and win a championship. Like if I if I just took and got one dog in basketball, Jay, I could win a championship. Like uh, when, when I got uh, when I got Tim Duncan, I can win a championship. When I get that, LeBron King. James, I can win a championship. The only reason I, I, would, I would counter against that is March Madness, man. You got to win six games. No, I get it. And, and just like the, the how challenging that is throughout March Madness because the underdog, I mean, it's not like college football. Granted, I think Alabama will win six games if, you're, if you were to expand the college football playoffs. But to do that over the span of X amount of years consistently, I think that's where it gets tougher. Whereas with now college football playoffs, you win two games. College basketball, you got to win six. No, I understand the, 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 the number of games, but if I get – if I if I get that one dude in hoops, like like a mellow, for instance, let's just use him at Syracuse. If I got a mellow with some guys, that's okay, you know, good, good little player, but not NBA guys. They go on and win a championship. If I take me a J Will, I can push the envelope, right? I can push the envelope. If I got a Tim Duncan, I can push the envelope. And so that's all I'm saying when I look at hoops, where. If I'm in football, Nick Saban needs a bunch of guys as well as Bill Belichick. We clearly seen that this year. Mm-hmm. It ain't one guy that could do it. That's all I'm saying. So I so would probably – I'll probably just push them one, two. But the list is great. It's nothing yeah, – so who, who, who would could you argue with? Who would your number one be, Key? Who would be your one, two, three? It would my, – my one probably would be probably Bill Belichick. Yeah. Two would be Nick Saban, then Geno I would throw in there, then Coach, and then Pop. Okay, that's fair. So that's why I said I would push them down one and two and then put Geno at three. Zuma, did we miss anybody? I no, feel like I, think, I, th- I tried to think through it all last night. It was no, challenging. No, I think your, li- your, your list is great. I, I was just joking. We should call it Jay's Jingoistic List because we're going American only here, which I love it. <laughs> America, love it or leave it, right? But the one thing I would say here I want to mention, I really I don't love know about- anybody other than American coaches. <laughs> Sorry. No, we should mention that. Soccer is the world's game, just not our game. We should mention one thing. One thing I really love about your list, and this is one thing a lot of people aren't taking into account. Gino... Before Gino got to UConn, and maybe we're just a little too close to this because I'm sure many of you know, of course, ESPN is based in Bristol, Connecticut, not too far away from stores. What's the address, Zubit? No. <laughs> <laughs> blank, 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 Middle Street, Bristol, Connecticut, zero, never mind. Okay, no, what I was going to say there is before Gino got to UConn, there was nothing there. The program was nothing. It's really much like the men's program with Jim Calhoun. There was nothing there. So to build the program from zero to 100 – you got to get extra credit. Okay. Bill Belichick, now, he obviously did a great job. The Pats played in the Super Bowl after the 85 season. But, as Robert Kraft would tell you before he bought the Pats, he used to sit at the old Schaefer Stadium with metal bleachers freezing in the cold as a fan before he became the owner. In other words, the Pats weren't really a big deal before they came aboard as well. So, to your extra credit there, Belichick elevating the franchise, not quite from ground zero there, but they weren't really doing much 
of anything. Obviously, Nick Saban, Alabama had not bottomed out, but by the time they had hired Nick Saban, they had gone through a run of head coaches, and they weren't winning at the clip they were used to winning. And this goes way back to before Jay Will played at Duke, but believe it or not, there, Jay, you know this, there was a ton of people that wanted to run Coach K out of Duke after his first few years on the job. It sounds impossible to think about now, but that was a real thing. So the fact that he would not have made it, Zubin, he would not have made it in today's age, right? They would have. I mean, if we're treating Doug Peterson that way, Coach (laughs) K would have been out. Right. He would have been out. You're so right about that. There's no such thing as patience anymore. Back then, they hung on to Coach K, and obviously, he's turned into a guy that's turned into a guy that we refer to as one letter. So, obviously, can I say one thing? Can I say one thing about Gino? Yeah. I'm listening. Go ahead. he's, He's had six undefeated seasons. Six undefeated, and like you know, so that's like thir- I mean, their most recent 2015 16, they went 39 and 0. Mm. I mean, that that's six, man. Put that in perspective, you know, as Zubin say, sit with think about that for a second. Yeah, think about that. I mean, that's you're not talking about 13 games, 14 games, you're talking about 30 plus games in all six of those seasons. You're right, and then you got to dominate recruiting, you can't have a bad night, everybody's getting your best shot. It's really unbelievable when you think about it. That was a really fun kind of trip down memory lane and really more memories to be made because all of those guys are still active. Great stuff on the way. Nick Saban has won six titles at Alabama. We'll talk to someone who's been a part of half of those, many from the old BCS era. Congratulations, Alabama, the kings of college football once again. And for Nick Saban, does this cement his legacy as the greatest college football coach of all time? We'll answer all the questions with me, Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. In a season of chaos, the Crimson Tide are the constant excellence. Bama bludgeons the Buckeyes, and Saban steps past Paul Bryant with his seventh national championship. That's Chris Fowler last night on ESPN. Alabama all over Ohio State 52-24. As Chris mentioned, a legendary moment for Saban, the 13th championship for the Tide. He's 69 years old and is showing no signs of slowing down. The early favorite to win next year's national title, by the way, is who else? Alabama. And I know Jay loves the gambling. I got a great gambling stat on Alabama coming up. 
in just a minute before we welcome in another Alabama legend who has racked up some national titles under Saban. Hang tight for that number in just one minute. Doug Peterson's number is up in Philadelphia. He has been fired after five seasons as the Eagles head coach. Of course, you know he led the Eagles to their only Super Bowl championship. Team owner Jeffrey Lurie did come out and say that all of the controversy surrounding Week 17 hurt Sudfeld, played no part in his firing. What happens now with Wentz, with Hurts, the front office, who's the next coach? Stay tuned. And an old head coach is back in the NFL. The Falcons fired Dan Quinn earlier in the season. He's now back as a defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. He will replace Mike Nolan, who was under a ton of pressure as the Cowboys were historically bad on the defensive side of the ball in Mike McCarthy's first year on the job. But, you know, maybe Quinn can fix it up. He's a defensive specialist. And then you get Dak back, and who knows, maybe, just maybe, it'll be the Cowboys' year in 2021. Sports Center brought to you by Goodyear. Whether you're on the field or on the edge of your seat, Goodyear wants you to embrace the unexpected every upset, touchdown, or fourth quarter comeback, and let it move you. No matter what the season throws your way, Goodyear is here to help drive you forward. Goodyear, more driven. Life, indeed, is good, especially if you win a championship in the Saban era. We're going to talk to a guy that's won three of them in just a second. But, Jay, I know you love the gambling, so I'm going to throw this stat out to you and for everybody that loves gambling. You ready for this one? Talk to me. Here we go. In the last one 152 games Alabama has played. Last 152 games, Jay, they have been favored, right? Everybody has a dip. Everybody has an off year. You get a hot team on the road. You know, the whole thing. They have been favored in the last 152 games. They have been the favored team 151 times. What? Of the last 152 games they have played, they have been the favorite 151 times, which, of course, Jay, leads to what question? Exactly. Who's the one time they weren't favored? I'm glad you asked. The answer to that, in 2015, they played at Georgia between the hedges, as they say, right, Key? They were a one-and-a-half-point underdog. You want to guess what happened that day? They won. By 28. (laughs) You know, I was going to say, I was going to say Ole Miss with Hugh Freeze. I was going to think that they were underdogs against Ole Miss when Ole Miss was rolling before they got caught. No, that's a great <laughs> – before they got caught, that's fair too. And we should mention they would actually had back-to-back wins Ole Miss did over Alabama. That's a good one. But, yeah, you got to go back to 2015 wow. and Georgia. And <laughs> one obviously, and a half point favors and won by three touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah, – it was unbelievable. I mean, that's – any way you slice it with the numbers this morning with Alabama – it is insane. Keyshawn J. Bull Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Goodyear Hotline, including Barrett Jones, our colleague here at ESPN Radio. He's a college football analyst for all the college football games we aired throughout the season. Former Alabama guard and a three-time champion, BCS national champion. Good morning. So I guess the conversation has to start here, considering you were part of some legendary Alabama teams. Where does this year's team rank in the pantheon of Alabama's greatest? Well, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. And for what it's worth, I was going to guess last year against Bill Burrow, 2019. I guess, I guess maybe they were slightly favored uh, in that game, but uh, that's a very interesting stat there, Zoom. Um, you know, it's a great question, and uh, it's obviously something that we talked about. Obviously, something that will never be settled. I certainly think we can say that it's the best Alabama offense. That's, I think, that's not close. In fact. I would say, in my mind, it's one of the best offenses ever in college football. There's really so many similarities in my mind between uh, this offense and and that offense I just mentioned, that LSU offense from a year ago. I mean, look, we're entering an era of college football where we're really already here 
where we're pretty much going to see a team put up those kind of offensive numbers every year, right? So it's kind of hard to quantify that, uh, you know, when you just say, okay, these offenses are just all of them are better than all the old offenses. I don't really know. It's, it's going to be apples to oranges. Uh, you know, is it the best Alabama team ever? Uh, maybe. Uh, again, it's it's just it's so hard to compare. Even from when I played eight years ago, uh, I was thinking about I, that my very last game was in Miami against Notre Dame. Uh, and then eight years later, here I'm watching Alabama, how much football has changed, how much college football has changed, and the way offenses run, uh, the way you have like nickel or dime personnel on the field almost the whole game on defense. I mean, it's just so different. Uh, so I think that makes it hard to quantify. But, man, this team was unbelievable. And I think the leadership uh, ultimately was uh, what really made them so special. Obviously, they had so much talent. But there's been a lot of Alabama teams that have had a lot of talent. But these guys, it, it's always good when your best players are your best dudes. And I think that's what this team had, uh, you know, with, with guys like Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, uh, et cetera. Yeah, I, I, I look at it too, Baird, and I'm like, it's so hard to say which Alabama team is better than another. Because if I take Mika Fitzpatrick and I line him up at corner, can he take out Devontae Smith? We've seen him do it with other receivers in the past. And so you start to look at it, some of the defense alignment, some of the offense alignment, you know, what – what does Mark Ingram look like in this offense opposed to what Najee would look like in your offense? So, it look, at the end, they got seven national championships. So, I think that's all that really matters. Is this national championship the one for Nick Saban out of all of them? Uh, I mean, right now it is, uh, you know, because it's uh, because it's his latest one. I mean, look, I, was, I was there in 2009 for his first one at Alabama. Uh, and he was excited, but he was also focused on uh, kind of what's next. I will say this about Nick Saban. I really had my eyes on him closely last night. I do think that he, he seems to be savoring the moment a little bit more. Uh, I think that he, he has a lot more thought now about what his legacy is, how guys are remembering him. You know, it's really like – it's honestly like a lot of people in life. You know, he, he grinded – and look, he's – make no mistake, by the way, he's still very much grinding. But he grinded with his head down, I think, for so many years – you know, trying to achieve uh, the goal of being the greatest coach of all time. And I I think now that he's kind of here, and obviously he's getting a little bit older, uh, he's really starting to think more about, hey, who are people going to remember me as? And so I do see him have a lot more fun, I think. Uh, He's always had fun. He he loves the grind. He loves uh, going out there, watching film, you know, being there early, leaving late. He loves that stuff. And I think you have to to be a great coach. Uh, but, But you can see the enjoyment on his face. And so, you know, where does it rank? Um, I would say, you know, right now it ranks at the top of his list because it's the latest thing that he's been able to do. And I, I do know just from talking to him and hearing him uh, that he loves these guys, you know, that he, he thought that this is a team that uh, really deserved to win the championship just based on who they were, based on their leadership. And, and probably if you cracked him open, he hasn't felt that way about every team. Uh, and I think he really loves this team and he really enjoyed coaching them. How much longer? Man, it's a good question, and uh, you know, if you think about it, it's something we've been asking ourselves for five years. Look, I, I do think that there was a time, you know, about four or five years ago, where he was really flirting with the idea of leaving. There was uh, the Texas job that popped up. There were some more NFL rumors, and you know, I, I think there was a little more to those maybe than people realized. I think he was kind of thinking about, is this really my last stop? You know, now that that's passed, though, uh, I, I don't obviously see him leaving Alabama. I think he's he's there. He's going to retire there. Uh, and man, I just don't know what he'd do. I, I, he loves the game so much. He loves the grind. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure he could probably retire and, and go be on college game day if he wanted to do that. He's, he's actually pretty good on television. Uh, 
but I, I just think he, he adores getting in there and doing preparation. So I, I honestly feel like he'll keep doing it uh, until he feels like he can't contribute anymore. He feels like that he's not a, a, a guy who's helping the process and uh, can't do what he used to do. And talking to him, obviously mentally, and just hearing him, he's, he's nowhere near that right now. So I don't know, man. I, I think he's got. I think he's got another five to seven years left. Barrett, give me some insight real quick on, on, on Coach Saban because when I won a championship in 2002, my sophomore year, it was like within a, a week I was getting texts from Coach K about what my next year was going to be like and what my goals were. Huh. It was such a quick turnaround, right? You won one your junior no year. That, like, it, give fans insight about how these guys are built and why they're so different because of that relentless approach. What was his approach with you guys moving into your senior year? Well, so similar. So I'll tell you a quick story that will perfectly encapsulate that. My freshman year, uh, I was very fortunate. We won, the four years I started, we won three times. And so my freshman year, uh, we won. We beat Texas. Then my sophomore year, we, in 2010, we probably had our, our most very talented team. Uh, we had so many first-rounders on the team, and we went 10-3. and uh, We lost three games. We, we, did, we just weren't a great team. Uh, we weren't as focused. We weren't as locked in. I think we lost to Camp Newton that year uh, in a in very dramatic fashion, and that, that stung. That year stung. And so 2011, uh, we came back. We were very focused. We won the national championship. And I'm telling you, so we had a meeting three days after the national championship. And, Jay, you'll like this. Three days after the national championship, we had not even had the parade yet. I mean, there were probably still confetti pieces that were still up in the air that had not settled yet. Uh, and he – uh, told us, he said, all right, it, the seniors weren't there. They were gone. He said, all right, guys, hey, you know what? I know we haven't had the parade yet. We're about to have it. But last season's over. It's time to rip the rear, rear view mirror off and get locked in on 2012. And we're all sitting there saying, Coach, it's only been three days. I mean, can't we at least have a week? Uh, but no, he, he has this rule called the 24-hour rule. And, you know, maybe he extends it for national championships to like 72 hours. Uh, but essentially, no matter good or bad, uh, you, you celebrate for 24 hours or, or mourn for 24 hours, and then you move on. And uh, man, that's just kind of his approach, and, and he just—he never uh, let us really slow down. But hey, it worked. Uh, you know, we, we it was kind of the thought of we can reflect on all this later. Uh, but sure enough, we were locked in that year. I mean, we came back and won it in 2012 and went back to back. So uh, it, you know, that's that's the kind of guy he is. He's always focusing on what's next and always uh, just loving the grind and the process of of becoming and building another great team. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. I'll second that. What a great story that he always is thinking ahead. It's never good enough, but at the same token, a guy that played for him like Barrett saying last night, even though you always want to keep pushing forward, as you get older, as we all do, it's nice to just savor it a bit, stand back, smile, and you could hear it in Saban's voice, how proud he was of the team. You could just hear it when he was speaking post-game. Sorry for cutting your championship short, Barrett. You won three, (laughs) which is just absurd, by the way. Incredible, man. Oh, well, that was not a... A correction. I apologize. I didn't. I didn't even hear the intro. So. That was that was a humble brag uh, correction. Yeah, yeah. You're allowed to do that. I like it. <laughs> Great well, stuff, man. Yeah, that, that was. Uh, I was. I was like to say I was like one of the worst players in all three of those teams. But you know, hey, I was there at a good time, so it happened to work out. I hear. You. Yeah, I think. I. Uh, I don't know if I'd concur with that on and off the field. If I saw the numbers and the numbers in the classroom. Barrett, thank you very much. It's great to have you as a teammate here on ESPN Radio, and we will look forward to a 2021 season that hopefully, whatever this word means moving forward, with some level of normal interaction. We'll see you next season in the fall. Thank you, Barrett. Thanks, Barrett.
Hey, sounds good, guys. Thanks. Mm-hmm. It's great to have him here, the three-time, three-time national Jeez. champion, wow. Barrett Jones. Great, great stuff. On the way, it's a mea culpa. It's two days too late, but it's never too late. The spotlight, one of the most inspirational things that's happened early in 2021 in all of sports that was just drowned out by football. We'll give it some love next. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. I had a little uh, lesson on broadcasting. Keyshawn, I got to get you on this lesson and talk to kids just about how to be a sports broadcaster, how to be like Keyshawn Johnson. They don't do that. No? That's a bad, that's a bad message you're sending to the kids. <laughs> you don't want to be like me. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. He has a pet peeve with me. A pet peeve with me. We'll get to that here in two minutes, but I've got a... Bring to light one story that completely got lost over the weekend. I want to get the fellas in on this, especially since Jay, obviously, college basketball legend, has worked on college game day for so many years, knows the sport like nobody else. Well, well, I think, I think the accolades back that one up, Key. I think the accolades back that one up. So we had so much football over the weekend, right? Three on Saturday, three on Sunday. Obviously, national championship game last night. You may have missed on Saturday, the Texas Longhorns are actually having a great year in college basketball. When they hired Shaka Smart about a half decade ago, people thought it was an amazing hire. They've actually yet to make the NCAA They've made the NCAA tournament. They've yet to win an NCAA tournament game with Shaka. But as Shaka's growing out his hair this year, the Longhorns (laughs) are really growing into themselves. None more than a very special guy on the team. Named Andrew Jones. Special and kid, Zubin. Special, special kid. kid. Gone through a lot. No doubt. And here's exactly what a lot means, as Jay said. On January 9th of 2018, so three years ago, he was diagnosed with leukemia. On January 9th of 2021, three years to the day, he was diagnosed with leukemia. By the way, the team rallied around him the minute of the diagnosis. Shaka Smart said, you're going to play again. We're not leaving you behind. We're totally with you. Three years to the very day that he was diagnosed, he hit a huge shot in the closing seconds to allow Texas, who I mentioned is having an outrageously good year, to defeat West Virginia, who, by the way, is also a top 15 team. Great couple of teams in the Big 12, a 72-70 win. That was over the weekend, completely got drowned out because of all the wild card football, super wild card weekend, and obviously what happened last night. Jay, just want to get your thoughts on this. I just want to make sure people... Hear about this story, the perseverance, the full circle nature, and there's something special when you could do it on the very day 
that you got diagnosed to come back and have the greatest moment to this point of this young man's career. So Zubin, three years ago, I did a sit down with him when this whole thing broke out about him having leukemia. And, it, you know, I've gone through a lot of my life having to face the adversity. Um, but the, the, the mindset that this kid had was inspiring to be around. Uh, he did not for one second, or at least the time I spent around him, say to me about he was worried. It was about I'm going to fight this thing. I'm going to fight it. And there's so many inspirational videos. Uh, we started something, try to raise money for him. Um, from him working out while he was at the hospital, Shaka Smart. And I spoke so many times throughout this process. It was always there for him. And to see it come full circle with the position that he's in right now in college basketball, it's one of the best backcourts in college basketball. Him and Matt Coleman together is a very dynamic backcourt. And they also have a kid named Greg Brown on their team that's going to be a top 10 NBA draft pick. They're one of the most exciting teams to watch. And he is the leader of this team, not just from being one of the best players physically, but like he's the emotional leader on this team with Matt Coleman. It's one of the best stories in all of sports about how to persevere and how to keep your mind and your eyes on the goal. And he, he's a winner in every facet of life. It's so inspiring. You, you always want to hear great stories and great inspirational things like that. And, you know, this is one of those deals where you talk about the great ride that they're having at the University of Texas in basketball and Shaka Smart. This is something that helps you elevate that and get you to the next level because your teammates – the, the organization, the school, everything rallies around. And I want to just mention you guys, obviously. Listen, man, I just played at the high school level. It's nothing compared to you guys. But at the end of the day, a team is a team is a team. And, Jay, I think you, I've heard you emphasize that more than anyone on the show. The fact that his teammates aren't going to take credit for this because it's his fight, his journey. But to have all those guys with him, helping him along the way, that's the greatest assist nobody will ever put in any box score. Man, you know, and it's just so different, Key. You know, I don't know what your USC experience was like, but, you know, playing in the pros was just different. Everybody had their families. Uh, you know, you form bonds with individuals here and there. Uh, but, you know, when you're in college and you're around each other all the time, you go through that, you share those experiences, man. Like, those become your – that's your brethren. Those, that, that's your family. And that's, what they, that's how they surrounded him. It felt special. It, it was that way in college, and then in, it was certainly that way at USC. I mean, it, even it's that way today at USC. Guys that have gone on to live their lives and become professionals in their own fields, whether they're doctors, lawyers, accountants, real estate developers, whatever the case is, it's still a tight niche family because we all, you know, came through sort of the same avenues at USC. Then when you talk about the pros, we had a really tight niche, it, it, I would say, a group of guys at the New York Jets and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, you, you always have one or two outliers, but for the most part, collectively, as a group, a lot of us still stay in contact with each other. We still see each other from time to time. So, you know, it, you, you get that experience for sure, 155%. I had to add the 5-5 five five on it for you, Zubin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did. You're right. The relationships and the friendships don't end once the playing days. Hey, do. Zubin. Yeah. Nickname, fourth quarter Zubin. <laughs> oh, I like it. Zubin, what kind of pet are we going to get? I don't know, man. I think I'm still going to go. So I've gone 42 years without one. Why start now? Joe Willie Namath is up next. Greeny starts at the top of the hour. We'll see you tomorrow.